1: Welcome back to part two of the Stompcast. Angela and I have really actually made some steps in already. We've enjoyed ourselves. Good old stretch of the legs. It's very much cold and lovely and wintry and we're wrapped up in lovely warm coats. So we're gonna continue the Stompcast. I hope you're enjoying it. Whatever time of year it is, doesn't matter. Enjoy your walk enjoy you know the benefits for your mental and your physical health as well i'm ducking under some bushes here yeah my head. I just, this is one of the reasons to wear glasses yeah. while you're walking because it there's a bit of protection actually i nearly caught in the abs in the last uh was it with max i nearly got that bramble in the eye oh and Jesus. it caught me on the on the thing it nearly got me in the eye that would not have been not cute. on cost if you are walking be aware of your surroundings
0: <laughs> be aware, of, be the aware brambles. of your
1: surroundings i'm keen to dive into your life really because I think it's an interesting journey that you've had and um, your journey is clearly reflected by what you've written in your new book and and I'm very keen just to kind of bring out some of the aspects of things that you've kind of learnt along the way I guess so tell us about you know where was childhood for you what was it like what were the ups and downs of childhood the
0: ups and downs so I Tribulations. trials and tribulations um, I grew up in Mead, Irish, obviously, uh, Mead, which in is just... In case I mean, you yeah. hadn't horse didn't yeah. give it away. <laughs> <laughs> so outside Dublin, but very much, like very much in the country. And it's funny, I was at a wedding at the weekend with my family and we were talking about my sister's uh, daughter who had recently gone into Dublin. Yeah. And she was like, oh my God, there are so many cool things in Dublin, like sculptures and, you know, Dublin's normal cool. city things. Cool. But... It just reminded me that we were, there's an Irish term, a cul I don't know whether that no, translates here. Okay, so it's like basically a kind of country person. It's not the most um, complimentary. Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's a slightly... It's not country
1: bumpkin, is it? It's
0: kind of country bumpkin, oh, it's yeah. it's kind
1: of met with a slight kind of... A little... Slight clip with it as well. Exactly it that. It's not quite as, as it's friendly. It's
0: not sexy, yeah. And so we definitely were were culchies and had like a very kind of you know my dad will refer to it as we were all a bit free range and there was definitely kind of wild wildness you know and i mean part of that was the time part of that was the the place i think um but you know very yeah a lot of freedom a lot of Mm. independence um and i'm one of four girls second eldest uh and you know all within relatively close ages i think we were at one point four under six wow. um wow so wow, wow. busy busy house busy
1: for the fam <laughs>
0: yeah busy wow. house and you know quite traditional in the sense that my dad was the uh was the provider and mm-hmm. um, so he was out working a lot what did you do he's a builder I see, I see and so you know started actually in england on sites and then moved moved home met my mom um, and continued building and then set up his own construction company and, you know, did really, really well um, for himself, but had kind of, you know, he didn't have formal education and that was something he was very passionate about, as was my mum, in making sure that we were educated in the formal sense. So that was a very much a, a priority, I think, for them. And then my mum stayed at home mm. to look after us, as she says, she was a taxi, <laughs> taxi woman for most of her life, <laughs> oh gosh, literally. Yeah, in out over back. Um and then worked alongside my dad when he his business grew. She did all the, you know, bookkeeping mm-hmm. and accounting Tasks, and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So they there there was always a lot going on in the house. And I think maybe that entrepreneurial spirit I definitely um I definitely picked Absolute up from that. them. Yeah. And this sense that you kind of can do, you know, anything you want to do, anything you put your mind too. Um, But it was also, I guess, quite chaotic in Mm. in ways, you know, and I think in a bid for absolute fairness, there was a, you know, we were the four girls. And so it was quite hard, I think, for us to establish our individual identities identities. yeah Yeah, and i didn't really realize that but i remember it was all being being called the girls which again should have felt kind of comforting in that collective but Mm. always slightly confusing i think Mm. probably and again with the best of intentions Mm. but i think we sometimes struggle to know you know what like i certainly struggled i won't speak for everybody else Mm. i struggled to know what I liked yeah. what was important to me yeah. what I was into it was kind of like what what do we like yeah. you know um, I guess so, cuz
1: what so one activity would be kind of for everyone kind for of everyone yeah. which, yeah. which which parents quite hard isn't it to separate absolutely at all
0: absolutely and I but I think it just became something that I had to really figure out much later on when I realized that I I wasn't really sure who I was mm. at all even though I kind of you know I put up a good front and I I I appeared to be very self-assured and very confident I was literally going to
1: use that word then in my next question. Did you come across so self-assured and confident? Yeah. Literally the two words that I would kind of describe in terms of how you present yourself. Mm, yeah. Was that you as a child and was that how you felt or was that something that... Is this still a little bit not mask? I mean, I don't mean that in a negative sense. No, but, I mean
0: I think we all have one of those. Yeah, I mean we?
1: it was 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 your experience of childhood. Yes, you, you kind of w- w- were a confident person, or is um, it is it more that you kind of felt you had to with three sisters? And I it, think so
0: a, I think a bit of both. Um, my idea about myself as a kid was that I was hmm. that really sparky, confident kid, and I certainly had like you know charisma as a kid. So I'd go into a room and i you know.
1: You have energy. I think be, you have great energy. Yeah.
0: So I think I that was there, um, but I was also deeply, deeply sensitive, mm. like super sensitive, um, and like <laughs> very, yeah, and sensitive souls. Really sensitive, and people don't really or certainly didn't really know what, what to do with that or how to handle that, and so I think I did pretend a lot to be braver and bolder than I was and I figured out a way to uh behave that kind of felt acceptable and attractive and um you know exciting so I I think I you know I sometimes think of it like I was I was singing for my supper a bit you know I always feel and that wasn't necessarily directly about my family but I think I learned oh my god I'm gonna need to stand out here Hmm. so I, I worked quite hard to um to be special (laughs) i think you know and a lot of that is down to that kind of self-worth the idea that you have to prove your worth and that's something that i struggled with for for a very long time and kind of you know my work became very much about that as well some something i still struggle with i'm like oh i wonder is this shiny thing that i do for a job just a way of Making people love me. I see what me. you mean. Yeah, it's so kind of
1: like that kind of expression of what you feel that it should be.
0: Exactly that. Yeah. In what
1: way were you sensitive? Or well, I, I think, I think we, we, we can kind of adjust ourselves. As we go through life, but a lot of those core yeah. things are always there. I mean, and what, what, what things are you sensitive to?
0: Oh, I think I'm. I'm. I feel my own things very deeply, um, and I feel other people's. You're an empath. Yes, and I didn't, you know, know what that meant, um, and so I was always. I always carried a lot, I think. And actually my own feelings of like fear or sadness or whatever, or even the big, the good feelings, I think are also really overwhelming for for a kid to experience because they were quite extreme. Um, And so I kind of attempted to dial them all down, I think, uh, which didn't leave me in, in the greatest of places. As time went on, I think I developed an eating disorder when I was in my late, late teens, maybe my final year in in school. And that became, you know, for me, the way I've kind of... Uh...
1: It's like internal, externalised, isn't it? It's like an internalised yeah. feeling that has an externalised
0: behaviour. Production
1: or yeah, b- behavior, whatever the yeah. word. Yeah, behavior is probably the right word.
0: Yeah, and I think it was. I mean, look. To me, it's a it's an addiction. You know, it's like it's harder to uh, talk around it in the way you would alcoholism or or drug addiction. But it's essentially something that you. You know, Mm -hmm. hides. And when
1: you say eating disorder, of course, we I think a lot of people don't recognise things like binge eating or overeating as as, as an eating disorder, which of course it is. Uh, It's any disorder of eating. Mm -hmm. Uh, What kind of eating disorder did you experience? So
0: uh, it started with bulimia and Mm -hmm. then went. Basically, it was you know, fifteen years really, on and off. Mm -hmm. Bulimia, anorexia. Yeah, yeah. How old Um, are you, Andrew? I am I'm going to be 40 very soon. No, you're not. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So hell. it was a it was quite a a long period of my life and it was you know the way i think about it now is you know what 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 was it and you know mm. you hear people talk about it. okay what did the behavior do cuz it mm. it served it served you. something
1: for you. every behavior serves something and yeah. a big part of realizing and digging down into why we do things is you've got to accept your behavior so so you know it's whether it could be drinking too much alcohol or it could be yep. uh, smoking it could be that you suddenly run 10 miles a day exactly. or whatever. it could be it's like Everything we do, every choice we make, subconscious or conscious, it is serving a purpose in some way. So accepting that fact and then going, right, what is the purpose? Why? And is it actually giving us the desired outcome? And
0: that's exactly it. And how do I change, you know, how do I get the the desired outcome, if that's still what you want consciously, um, through a behaviour that may be more healthy? And so, but I think what it did for me was keep my world very small. Hmm. Because I think on the surface, I created this identity that was all, I was excited. I wanted to live life. I wanted to get out of my small town. I wanted to do big things. I knew I was destined for big things, and yet, really deep down i was like i think i might miss my mom and dad i i was so afraid to be away and i was very anxious kid again when i when i look back and when i spoke to my sisters and i was like when i was going through the book i was like what were your memories and some of the real standout memories for me were absolute like separation anxiety and like yeah missing home really missing home and but also being so wedded to this version of Mm. myself that was cosmopolitan and i was going to go places
1: yeah 20 21st century woman doing whatever don't need don't didn't need, family need anyone whatever. didn't need anyone yeah. and
0: so i think my eating disorder made my world small actually and safe and so it became this kind of constant companion for me actually and i didn't have to if i was fixated on what i ate or what i didn't eat or what i binged or if I could create, Mm. you know, a day that was consumed by what was going in or coming out, um, I didn't have to think about what I was going to do with my life or whether I really liked myself or if I would find somebody or if anyone would love me or if I fit in anywhere. And so it did become, yeah, like a friend that was pretty grim, Mm -hmm. Uh, actually very, it was like very lonely and very isolating and and so misunderstood still and i think that's why
1: what aspects are misunderstood and do you think some of those missing you, as you're writing the book yeah. did kind of those did you kind of find yourself thinking about those preconceptions misconceptions yeah. thoughts that you know almost looking back in life going oh that maybe was different to what i thought or maybe that's why i did that
0: yeah well and i think just generally you know me aside i kind of i was like okay i'm not going to talk about that because I didn't want to be identified as that. I I didn't want to, you know, go on a red carpet in a year's time having been through a stressful period, having breastfeeding, having lost weight, and suddenly the Mm. conversation is around that. Or I was ashamed of Mm. it, truthfully. I was like, oh, my God, does that mean I kind of lost control, didn't I? And it's quite embarrassing. Am I going to be sitting at family meals Mm. or at meals with friends where they're looking at what I'm you know consume because the thing is you're if you're an alcoholic you give up booze. um it's it's you can't
1: give up food you can't
0: give up food so it's like That's a, a very good point. battle every single meal every single day and so and and also i think um and this is changing but because it was historically recognized as a female problem uh i i don't think there was much um i don't know much uh it wasn't it was kind of oh it was a phase wasn't it it was like a vanity exercise she'll grow out of it or all girls dam- want to be skinny your it's the
1: most damaging uh, so thing, isn't and, it, yeah. and
0: and the highest mortality well, yeah, well, rate. well exactly. Of all anorexia nervosa
1: has the high, well, of all Ill, of all illnesses 20% of if you have a diagnosis of anorexia nervosa it's the highest mortality rate of all oh, is illness that right? of all illness yeah
0: but like what
1: our cancer mortality rates are lower than than than, Which than is that it's
0: just yeah. And
1: yeah, because, uh, yeah, I mean, and if you look at the average age of those dying with it as well, it's yeah. just on every level, it's scary. And right now, yeah. right now, we, we have to face the fact that it is, you know, the fastest rising yeah. mental ha- illness is is eating disorders. Yeah, and um,
0: in men and women.
1: Men and women. And I think, and I think a
0: sharp rise. I think
1: we all, uh, people deal with things in different ways. And it's interesting that, you know, when I've gone through difficult times, I generally overeat. Mm-hmm. And it really, actually, really annoyed me because, um, uh, papers whatever but i talked about this i can't remember when or why but they then take these pictures that are really unflattering of you and looking yeah. big and they put this thing of you know alex is eating and all this kind of stuff and you know they do it oh we're not trying to shame you but they are fat shaming. of course them. um yeah. you know so it, it, it's interesting we all everyone has a relationship with food Yeah. and i think like everything in life, some levels of that is like there's some healthy levels and unhealthy levels but then the extremes are dangerous and the yep. eating disorders are an anorexia particularly is at the yeah. extreme end but if you look at it you know in this country so many people deal with things like stress mm-hmm. and worry and even depression by overeating and you know when yeah. my brother died or when I've gone through difficulties in relationships whatever I, I find myself my tendency is to massively overeat yeah I wouldn't say so much binge eating but I would just overeat for well, a prolonged com- period of time it's comfort it's comfort,
0: soothing it's comfort in a see. way and
1: I you know I and I've had a cr- bit of a correction in my weight not because I'm I actually don't know what I weigh I don't I don't know what my weight but i'm aware that my weight has changed not i'm not interested in that as a metric metric, but you know my changes to my lifestyle and my health and considering my diet again and what i'm eating has corrected some of that but it it is hard i think you know that point around the relationship with food you you're always going to have a relationship with food because we need food to live it's like water i mean we have to have food and water right
0: yeah and i think it's really difficult because it's so hard for people for families, for friends, because if you think of eating, you know, it's such a joyous, social, like all of our big moments in our lives yeah. are usually marked around a table. With either
1: alcohol or food. Exactly. <laughs> or both.
0: And so to suddenly be the one who's like the dread, I remember Christmas that time of year, anything that was like, Large years of my life where there was just dread around these big, sure. you know, seemingly joyous moments, where I would have to think about how I was going to control this, how I was going to manage it, how I was going to, you know, escape. And you're kind of lying to people, you're lying to yourself. Well, it's-
1: I think I imagine there's a lot of people listening now who've just kind of, you know, Christmas, New mm-hmm. Year's, who probably really relate to that and think, yeah. well, actually, th- this has been, and all- might you might have just gone through that time, yeah. you know, and. What would you say to people who are, because like we know eating disorders are not only the rise, I mean, there, there are so many people with undiagnosed as well. I think, yes. people, again, like every and other it's spectrum, disordered eating as people, well as eating food. Yeah, there's loads of people that have disordered eating yeah. You might have tendencies with food that, like, there's definitely tendencies I have that I've become more aware of and yeah. so on. But yeah, what, what would you say to people if you are going, oh gosh, that is basically me this winter or Be me this Christmas? Like, what? what do you say to them?
0: I mean, I think it is that awareness first and first and foremost, because a lot of people do it subconsciously. Mm. They're like or, or not that they're actively lying to themselves about over or under eating or restricting. Um, but we're kind of, you know, knowing about something means that you maybe have to dig a bit deeper, you know, and I think it's a symptom and the suggestion that an eating disorder is just, um, you know, so that the you pathology can,
1: in itself. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's often the you know look at look at well one of the hypotheses which I think is I think I think is pretty strong uh, you know around the pandemic and eating disorders the element of control you take away children's ability to literally have any say of how they spend their lives yep. or days then you know then the food becomes an element of control comfort it becomes yep. like well that a way that they can
0: make choices make
1: choices in you their know? day and their lives you look at like prisons and stuff it's a similar
0: ish yeah.
1: story i mean the thing that you the one thing that you can have some level of choice over is what you put in your mouth
0: yeah yeah um
1: so so yeah it, but it's that awareness you can't change anything i, I go on about Without this all the time that. yeah you, you can't change a problem or find a solution until you're aware of it
0: yeah but also i think it's it's speaking to somebody and i mean
1: who did you talk to first? Talk me through your- Well, I was just going to your... say
0: speaking to somebody and then speaking often to somebody else.
1: Okay. <laughs> because so, yeah, yeah, there's yeah.
0: so little understanding and people's reactions are often nothing to do with you. They're a feeling at their own mm. failure to not have identified something. I remember my telling my mum and her taking, she didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and took me to our local GP. Yeah. And I was, I mean, at this point, and it was a long time afterwards that I got over it. If you want to use that term, but we went down to the local doctor and I had been doing a bit of research around it and I was aware, I was like, this is not about me hmm. being fat or thin or it wasn't really about that, obviously. But I, I went down to him and he said, Oh yeah, Well are sure, look all the girls now, all the girls want to be thin. And you know what? The best thing you can do is stop eating carbs. And I just thought, oh, oh my gosh.
1: God. Angela, what? that's terrifying.
0: Terrifying. That's so,
1: I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I, I always laugh because you just, like, you can't... Like, knowing what we know now, I mean... Yeah. I, and often these things are not meant... I, I don't quite buy this thing that people don't... Like, it's just said with so, little, so much ignorance and yeah. so little understanding. Yeah. But that's so... And, was, those, and the fact you remember when was that? How old were you then? I
0: would have been eighteen, nineteen. Right, so, you, maybe. so you,
1: like a good few years ago, yeah. and you still remember that. I'm sure you remember that moment vividly. I
0: remember it vividly, and it was kind of almost comical, but also if you think oh, that's of so bad. the the first point where you go, For and help? I remember. For help, and I was desperate. I was like, I don't know what to do. I am absolutely miserable, and I don't want this. Well, to go be back my to distance. that child
1: that we talked about at the start, yeah. and you kind of change that scenario, and it's almost the same. It's almost the same. You come with a problem. Yeah. they don't understand exactly, and that's fine. But then give they basically bread, say, they basically <laughs> give up. Bread. They basically say, I don't understand. Don't worry, you'll be fine.
0: It's not relevant. It's yeah. not important. And I remember thinking, you know, like feeling really. Disappointed. You've
1: been desperate then after that.
0: Absolutely desperate. And then I kind of thought, oh, maybe I am making a bigger deal of this. And it was a, it was a, a while after and my mum, like they saw something on a chat show in Ireland, um, a, a clinic that had opened in in Dublin called the Marino Centre for Eating Disorders, which was quite, you know, ahead of its time, mm. probably. It was kind of alternative, but um, with, not with GPs, but with psychologists and psychotherapists and psychiatrists, whatever and um and i went there um and that was kind of the beginning but truthfully i i don't think i was really ready at that point i knew i wanted to i knew something was wrong but i don't think i was quite ready to let go of it you know and that old adage of you can't really help um horse to water and all that exactly so it it took it took a long time really and and i mean the other side of it is that i essentially again, without awareness, swapped an eating disorder neatly overnight for a work addiction. You know, I kind of thought, oh, this isn't going to work for me anymore. And so I put all of the same gusto and uh, relentless enthusiasm into uh, work, which arguably, you know, yielded a lot more. um, A bit more
1: fruitful, but maybe also damaging as well.
0: And, you know, for me, I was like, oh, my God, everyone's... They're just clapping i'm like i'm fucking dying here uh, so you know that kind of idea that i i was again unaware that it was a, a very unhealthy um again it goes back to that point
1: of, that everything decision make serve something and i when I, mean, I i undoubtedly the two things that i can if i allow myself with that awareness yeah but point of that awareness i'll eat a lot mm-hmm. and i'll work a lot those are the two things that i will undoubtedly do, do. yeah
0: because you're just like prolonging, mm. it's just avoidance of it, you know. With whatever distraction you're you're choosing, and some of them are, you know, more societally acceptable than others. But essentially, it's it's the same thing. It's a plaster, isn't it? Um, but I I notice uh, that I when I'm overwhelmed and feel like I've got a lot on my plate, instead of sitting down and going, okay, there's too much, I need to clear the decks. I pile on more, mm. and that's only a very recent awareness realization for me. Yeah. yeah and i'm like oh my because
1: god because people are clapping you're like oh, i'll do more of this it yeah. feels good well yeah. or i feel overwhelmed I feel so, so i'm
0: like my yeah. instinct is to go
1: attack it more yeah
0: more more more
1: scary isn't um,
0: it? scary yeah and so unhealthy actually you know but um
1: how is angela now
0: angela is all right um no i mean yeah infinitely infinitely better.
1: Does it ever become something that's past or is it always some part of you? No, well, I, I, think,
0: um, I think it is past. I mean, I speak about it and I can only speak about it, you know, in the last mm. few years as something that doesn't activate me. Like I used to be able to talk about it and I'd nearly cry as I was very passionately telling you my story in a slight desperation and this kind of sense of, no, 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 it's historical. It wasn't, it was very much alive in me as something that was still yeah traumatic i suppose now i am able to speak about it with distance but i think possibly naive to believe that it's completely it's a, it's my coping mechanism i suppose and i do think i probably veer more quickly to to work as my crutch now but it it now i've kind of made friends with it so when i recognize that i'm you know too distracted for food whatever way you want to dress it off or i'm like eating my feelings i kind of go oh hang on this, this is trying to this tell all, me something
1: this, this cycle is trying to start again yeah. isn't it you're trying to like pull the yeah. pull the oxygen out of the flame before it starts building up the fire and it's, exactly to yeah. recognize oh there's a little kindling starting here let's suck that oxygen out yeah. Yeah. let's yeah. put it somewhere else put the oxygen into a different form
0: exactly that or i kind of go okay I, this isn't something to be afraid of this is like a little friend giving me a heads up that something's not quite right. Yeah. So I think, oh, okay, cool, thank you. Right. What do I need to what do I need to change? So I've kind of turned it from from being this demon that was trying to ruin my life into actually it was trying to help me, you know, in some Deal with that.
1: Serve a purpose as we up said. Way.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, ba- back to your point of anyone who has because I do think there are a million people who are are feeling it it is to ask for help and keep asking for help until you get the right help and yeah. speak to somebody. And recognise
1: the wrong help. Because mm, yes, we're doing yes, yes. we are coming on in tremendous leaps and bounds and speed mm-hmm. um i mean we now have hubs supporting eating disorders that are starting in parts yeah. of the country so there are progress and i think the training for gps is improving it's a long long way away at yeah. the moment but and that's through no fault of the gps but if you don't give them the the space the tool, for the education yeah. and the time given our pressure they're under mm-hmm. then they're not going to be able to to spend their time in that area yeah so essentially We're going to put all the kind of support services that I think you could check out if you're struggling at the moment in the notes. But Beat is a fantastic place that you can go and get support from, and I've worked with them before. They're absolutely uh, incredible. And also, I mean, if if you're if you're a young person, and then Young Minds are brilliant and Mm -hmm. Mind as well. There's kind of points of call I would say to kind of start that.
0: And and if those feel too big, sometimes it feels too big to say yes. something out loud because you can't put it back in write it down somewhere i found writing as i was growing up a, an incredible tool to be able to process and it was like private i could stuff it under a mattress and no one could feel but it's somehow allowed for some of that chaos well, ju- that journaling lived feels a little
1: bit like you know the modern like glossy wellness but actually journaling is really powerful and what a way yeah. we recall call it writing put it down in words that yeah. can and can really make a difference and i would say as well i think life other shared life experience is very powerful so you know you talk about it in your book joyrider yes. you? so kind of yeah. obviously you're not writing that book as a treatment etc and so on but it is helpful to hear the people's experiences and often gives you empowerment I certainly find I mean 100%. I'm going through accepting acceptance or trying to accept ADHD. Yeah. um, And I find some of the most powerful, yes, it's brilliant support services, but some of the lived experience that I've read and.
0: Well, it's someone you can relate to. You
1: feel like so much more connected to. And
0: and to me, it's like, it's hope, isn't it? Mm. You don't want to just survive and manage something. You want to look at somebody and go, oh my God, that looks like, that life, at least from here, looks like something I could get on board with. And there is hope. And I think, you know, for me growing up, it was Karen Carpenter who sadly. You know, lost her life mm, yeah. to complications, and um and Jerry Halliwell, who at the time had written very openly about her battles with the anorexia and bulimia, but it was kind of, in my mind at least, the the conversations around it were kind of quite shameful.
1: Oh. Well, I think I think to honestly a lot of the noise around it was quite toxic, actually. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, let's feel sorry for her, but at the same time, no one wants your pity. And secondly, uh, you don't. You, is that a genuine concern, or are you just printing papers? But, exactly. Uh, that. Anyway, we won't finish on a negative note. We uh, won't. But what <laughs> <laughs> is
0: there's a ton of hope, yeah. and there's like there is a life there is after any of those things. And sometimes that's all you need to know is that this is not. You don't have to feel like this the forevermore. Sun,
1: the sun will always rise. Yeah. The darkest. And the, what is the what's that saying? I love. The darkest
0: the, the, day the, comes
1: the, just before the, the dawn. Yeah. 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 So it's always darkest before the dawn. Yeah. There we go. So thank you everyone for enjoying part two of the the Stompcast, and we will see you well in part three.